0: The following transmission contains unencrypted instances of explicit language. Mature audiences are cleared to proceed.
1: Please state your name for the record. David Mohajer. Mr. Mohajer, are you currently the co-host of the podcast known as Spies Like Us? I am. What is the nature of this podcast? We discuss spy
0: movies and television shows.
1: And what exactly is the nature of your contribution to this podcast?
0: I analyze and discuss the movies with my co-host, and I am also principally responsible for the
1: distribution of this podcast. Have you distributed these podcasts to iTunes and Google Podcasts?
0: Not only that, I've distributed them to Stitcher, Spotify, Downcast, and all places where excellent and entertaining podcasts can be found.
1: Is your co-host Todd Hostetler present in this room today, and could you point him out for us?
0: Dude, what are you talking about? That's you. You're Todd Hostetler. You're the co-host, and you're the one that wrote this bit.
1: This hearing will come to order. Mr. Mohajer, are we here today to discuss the 2016 political thriller Miss Sloan? Yes
0: we are. Shall
1: we begin? <laughs> First time scriptwriter Jonathan Pereira is inspired by the Jack Abramoff story to write his own take on the dirty underbelly of Washington politics. Movie studio Film Nation finds the script virtually by accident, but sees enough potential to sign Oscar winner John Madden to direct and powerhouse actress Jessica Chastain to star. I'm Todd.
0: And I'm Dave, and we like to talk about spy movies.
1: The political thriller genre often strays into spy territory. Miss Sloan is here to show us that she might have had a missed calling with the CIA in this episode of Spies Like Us.
0: This particular episode, I think we need to give a full blast spoiler warning. All of our other shows definitely deal with a lot of spoilers, but this is one of those super intricate... Thriller films where there's lots of twists, lots of turns, a lot of what have yous. Uh, so, in and outs. Lots, lots of in and out, lots of ins, lots of outs, lots of what have yous. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the the we're not holding back on the spoilers here. Uh, we're we're definitely going to be digging into this one. Uh, I was particularly really really excited to talk about this film. Um, oh, me
1: too. Yeah, I love it. I love this. I love this movie.
0: It's really dense, and uh, there's a lot of subtleties and a lot of details that we're going to go over, so we're giving a hefty spoiler warning for this particular episode.
1: Sure. So yeah, today's movie is uh, Miss Sloan. That was released in November of 2016. It was, uh, sadly, a box office disappointment, uh, grossing only $9 million against a $13 million budget, and $13 million is not a lot in the first place. Yeah. Um, so that's that's really lame, and I think, I, I don't know, I think, like, November was a really good time for it to come out, too, and I didn't really see a whole bunch of other movies that were, like, knocking, knocking it out of its rightful place. Um, but, uh, well, yeah. I
0: remember yeah. it coming out. I think you're the one that told me about it, like, two years oh, ago. Oh,
1: yeah. I don't think I'd ever heard of it until my brother-in-law turned me on to it. He, he brings me some really good movies, because he flies to Asia a lot, so he watches, he watches a bunch of movies on, on long flights.
0: And so,
1: so, he tends to, like, he tends to dig into, like, you know, he gets deep into the catalog of what the airline has to offer, is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, he brings me some good surprises uh, sometimes, and I definitely thank him for this one. Um, but, uh, yeah, critics dug it uh, just fine. It, I mean, it is a really good movie. Uh, everyone was like, yay, yay, yay about Chastain's performance. She's uh, all Yeah, she's always good. She is always good. She uh, didn't get nominated for an Oscar for this one, which uh, I didn't check who did. I'm sure they were worthy or whatever, but I was kind of surprised she didn't get nominated. Uh, She did get a nomination for the Golden Globe, though. And uh, our director is John Philip Madden. He's best known for winning Best Picture for Shakespeare in Love and this movie is uh got a little bit of an interesting story on the on the development of it's a uh, this is a first time scriptwriter uh Jonathan Pereira he's an attorney that uh he was watching an interview with uh Jack Abramoff uh after Jack Abramoff's book came out in 2011 that uh it showed us all that uh, no matter how dirty we thought the lobbying industry was it was like way worse than than we even could have yeah, imagined. Yeah. Chastain herself, uh, she read uh, Abramoff's Abramov's book in preparation for the role, and um, at first she thought that the character would be like played with like no makeup and wearing like the same clothes over and over because she thought like this is a person that's so dedicated to their work that they're not uh, you know they're not interested in cosmetics at all. They don't want to waste any time like picking out what to wear. But uh, after she tailed some, some female lobbyists in Washington, she realized that, like, the the appearance is, like, such a huge part of the game and that she described, like, the suits that the women wear as, like, like suits of armor that they wear in a battle.
0: And, well, is uh, that why she deliberately had different outfits in the movie? We should, yeah, we definitely got to point out the outfits.
1: The outfits are awesome. The outfits yeah. are awesome. She's always in black, right? Right. Always super serious black. I like I like her black uh, fingernails. Yeah. And uh, but but she's the kind of person though that like she's not she doesn't have probably any fashion sense whatsoever. She hires someone to like take care of all those decisions for her. Like absolutely because she needs her mind totally focused on like her job. Yeah. We even see in at a part of the movie I think there's some uh, quip about like she even outsources small talk.
0: Yeah, she didn't know how to like interact with people, so she had to outsource it because she didn't have. She was so busy looking into other stuff and pulling all the strings and playing spy master. She she didn't have time to look into people and like do small talk. Yeah, it was it was kind of a cute joke.
1: Right, right, right. But
0: you know, but, you know there's not a lot of movies about lobbying out there. I mean, there was like Thank You for Smoking, The American President, neither of which were spy movies. But the idea of you know. Uh, convincing people to make decisions uh, in favor of whatever the lobbyist is forcing them on is definitely a I- interesting, I guess, piece of the the trade, so to speak. You know, I think that was really big and thank you for smoking how, how much like argument was really important and figuring out ways to convince people to change their vote.
1: Or vote and I had, the- and I had seen this movie and uh i you know i was the one that turned you onto it and when yeah. you proposed it when you proposed it for this podcast actually my first reaction was like huh i don't really i don't remember that being a spy movie at all and you
0: it totally like... was <laughs> yeah it's it it's definitely not only is it filmed like a spy movie every like there's so much tradecraft in this movie it's ridiculous and like i like i i was really especially after we watched the last, the last two films we did were like super sleaze bag, men just like creeping on women. We we did a Bond film and then our man Flint, which had a lot of like sleazy moments. I, I thought it'd be a good idea to bring in like a woman protagonist who was a very very strong character. But it's 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 like that's just yeah.
1: This is, this is not only this is not only a movie that we were going to do anyway, but this is our official apology to any female listeners to the <laughs> podcast for doing. We're doing the James Bond and the R-Man Flint episodes back-to-back.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we, we definitely need to pull this out. But, you know, uh, even even though, like, this movie is really, really big on women empowerment, the, the, that's not even what the movie's about. The movie is a very, very so- solid spy film, like, a very solid one. Um, and And you can tell that's what they were going for, that it wasn't just about lobbying. You know, they have lines like, oh, this James Bond crap, or, like, Somebody literally says in like a dinner meeting, like, "All right, let's talk tradecraft craft." Or so you know, like it's 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 and and uh, Miss Sloan is on trial for uh, for one of the reasons was kind of like uh, uh, partaking in illegal surveillance.
1: Yeah, she, they they literally use the term espionage. Yeah. So and, yeah, and it so, didn't when when we sat down to watch the movie together. You know, I was just like, okay, David seems really sure of himself. Uh, you know, I, he's a smart guy. Uh, give him, uh, give him credit, and uh, but when we sat down and watched it together, uh, of whatever, like last week, um, it did not take me long to be like, oh, that's right, this is a spy movie.
0: Cra- you yeah, know, like a lot of mind games, misinformation, moles, moles, unwitting assets. Yeah, we even had a barium meal with a really juicy nugget. You know, it's 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 pretty tasty. As far as tradecraft goes, so I'm I'm actually really excited for this week's episode.
1: Me too, man. Let's go straight to the briefing room. Let's do it. Voice pattern recognized. Retinal scan complete. Validating security clearance. Clearance
0: granted. You may now enter the briefing room.
1: Uh, This movie employs what I believe is called a framing device. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called, where there's a kind of like you know like uh, in Titanic, like the beginning and the end of the movie, or like with Bill Paxton and 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 what's her name as an old lady, and they're like uh, going after the ruins of the Titanic. But that's not the real story. But that's like uh, our excuse to tell the story. Or this isn't maybe not exactly that, but something like that. We're gonna jump back and forth in time a bit, uh, especially at the beginning. But um, what we want to what we want to see is this um, this trial that she's in with a senator played by John Lithgow, um, asking her about her uh, shady activities as a lobbyist, and uh, we'll go back and forth. We'll kind of go back and see her like getting ready. Uh, to go to the trial, and we're also going to see some of the stuff that happened, like, I think, like, ten months earlier or something, the events that led up to uh, the trial happening. The other thing we need to see is that her work for what we're going to call the evil lobbying firm in in this movie uh, on the Nutella tax. Now, the Nutella tax issue, by the way, it appears to be lifted from recent events, but they occurred in France, not the United States. Her client is the Indonesian government, and her strategy here is that she's making a shady arrangement of a technically illegal vacation trip to to sway a key Senate vote. We're also going to see that at this point, uh, she is abusing some kind of...
0: um... I'm I'm, I'm assuming it's Adderall, because that's, I mean, this type of level would, I mean, unless there's some other miracle drug, but yeah, to keep her focused, I think, is what you were going
1: for. Uh, We clearly establish that she is a person of ferocious intelligence and drive. She is an absolute, like, take no nonsense, take no prisoners, suffer no fools, straight talker that gets right to the point and gets the job done. She's an absolute beast, uh, just right from the get-go. She takes the fifth uh, on a bunch of the questions in the inquiry, because her attorney told her, like, just, you have to take the fifth, take the fifth, take the fifth. You know, once you breach that, then you can't take the fifth again because then you'll be in contempt of Congress or something. Back in the past, again, uh, she's, I guess, kind of concluded the business of... um, Or no, she hasn't concluded it, but I guess she gets called away from the Nutella job upstairs to see the big boss, played by Sam Waterston... And he's got a new client for her, who is the head of the the NRA, even though we never technically call them the NRA in this film, but that's clearly who they're supposed to be. And they've got an idea. There's a, there's a bill that's coming in Congress. It's called the Heaton-Harris Act, and it's going to make it harder for psychos to get their hands on guns. So, of course, the gun lobby wants to stop that, and they want her to run that operation because she's just got the – uh reputation is the most fearsome lobbyist in Washington, and she basically just laughs them off.
0: She's kind of offended that this might be the reputation she has so and and that like some some big dogs can just roll in and like tell her what to do, and it kind of challenges her as like who she is and who she's made herself as a a, a for a career so she like kind of shuts it down
1: i guess yeah, her bosses are embarrassed and they're furious with their Blah 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 blah.
0: Which really sets up the stage for our spy film plot. Um, you, you're going to hear me going on and on about this. Uh, like the film doesn't do this in a pretentious way. They literally set the the whole plot of the film is a typical spy film where you have this like rogue character who does things the way they do it and goes guns a blazing, but it's not done in a pretentious way like we had with our man Flint where it was like a parody it's taken very serious and in a very subtle way so here she is she's not the owner of this firm she's kind of like the the ace in the hole of the firm or like the the big player of the firm you know the 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 one that gets all the stuff done and and here they're kind of insulting her ego or insulting her as a person where where she doesn't like that she doesn't like being in control or she doesn't like being controlled she likes the one being the one making the decisions and making all the calls. So here she goes rogue against the, her own firm and against the client. I like guess she's laughing at him. And it's like a very typical spy film story, but it, you don't really pick up on that uh, unless you've seen a lot of these type of films because it's done so well and so subtly. Uh, and I, I just wanted to hammer that point in because I really enjoyed that.
1: Yes, I would not be surprised at all to find that out that the scriptwriter was a fan of spy fiction at all. Right. So what happens next?
0: Uh, well, next, uh, she's like leaving the building and she's approached by this guy who she automatically assumes is a journalist. By the way, he's kind of questioning her. Uh, and it's played by Mark Strong, aka Merlin from The Kingsman. We're,
1: we're just gonna call... call him Merlin for the rest of this podcast.
0: Yeah, we're just but... calling him Merlin. Uh, but uh he, he was also in Deep State, if if anybody saw Deep State, another great spy story, but uh um he's pretending to be a reporter and, and he's doing it in kind of like a sneaky way, so it makes her conclude that this is a report. He was he's also
1: trying... he was wasn't he? Also he's also in uh Zero Dark Thirty with her. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, he definitely is not a stranger to the thriller genre. Uh,
1: he's doing nothing to disabuse her of the assumption that he's a journalist, even though he never like claimed to be. He's just kind of uh, acting like one. But yeah. at one point, he asked her for a quote, and she's like, okay, fine, here's a quote. Uh, a conviction lobbyist need only believe in her ability to win, which he... Purposely, we don't know this at this moment, but we'll find out real soon. He purposely miswrites this as a conviction lobbyist can't only believe in her ability to win, right. and he underlies can't.
0: Right, uh, and well, we'll later, s- uh, yeah.
1: And then he so and he puts the offer on the other side of the of that same piece of paper, um, which she looks at the offer. She says, "I don't know whether to be flattered or insulted, but you have the wrong idea of of me." But she's going to see his note as she's thinking about the offer. She's going to think about it for, I don't know, X number of hours. There's a little montage there. And we see that she sees what he wrote on on the note. And that's part of what she's thinking about as she's trying to make her decision.
0: Right. Um, And she ends up making uh, the decision kind of, I guess, the next day when she's talking to her team. She kind of sets up this whole, like... Uh, random uh, coup attempt, I guess, with the firm and does like a whole Jerry Maguire. In fact, I think they made a joke about it because people left with her. And they're like, what is this, Jerry Maguire? But they're like, clearly haven't seen the movie because uh, nobody left with him, I guess. <laughs>
1: right, that yeah. was a good joke.
0: Yeah, that was a really good joke. But uh, um, uh, she, she decides she's going to take the job and she takes everybody she can with her. What's interesting that we'll find out later why it's interesting... Uh, everybody kind of assumes there's this uh, uh, young blonde earlier in the film that had been talking about leaving the the original firm to go back to post-grad. And, you know, Sloan is, like, cutting her down, talking about, like, what do you want to go to post-grad for? It's a waste of time. It's a dumb move. You know, and in this scene, uh, everybody assumes, what I think, was her name Jane, I believe?
1: Jane, yes. Yeah. Jane is the blonde that that declines to go... Uh, right, which but is...
0: everybody, everybody just assumed Jane was going to go because up until this moment, we had seen Jane being Sloane's right hand uh, woman, I, yes. I guess. Yeah. yes. And and like, it's... so they were they were like thick as thieves, you know, type of thing. And so everybody's assuming she's just still sitting in her seat, and like, so this is big moment. Like, are you going to come or what? You know, type of thing. And and she's like, no, they. You know, this is my career. I have to think about and blah blah blah. And, we're going to find out why this is really important later uh but uh it's i just want to bring up this point in the movie
1: um, yeah i'm a, yeah. i'm going to back i'm going to backtrack real quick to the to the previous night when she makes her decision uh of what she's going to do we don't know what it is yet um but she calls jane and says we need to we need to meet um and we don't the only way that you would know that it's jane that she is talking to is because she says uh You know tell me this uh if socrates never wrote anything down how come we we know what he said or something like that and that's a reference to a conversation that they had had previously so this is clever movie making because we are we're being given the information if you're paying very close attention that it's jane is the first person she calls when she makes her decision but without rubbing our our noses in it because if they made it too obvious like if they showed them having a conversation, well, as as we're about to talk about, if we told, if the movie told the audience what they talked about, then the big surprise ending of the movie would be completely blown.
0: Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it's definitely important to note that they definitely were like, uh, you know, uh, Thickest Steve's type of, you know, always kind of plotting together.
1: And then the um, other thing, the other thing we need to uh, put a put a pin in before we like deliver the big hugest spoiler of the movie is that the, the next, so yeah, the next day, right before she announces that she's going over to the other side, the very last thing she does is uh hand over a piece of paper. It's the last piece of filing documentation that's needed to uh, do that uh, shady Nutella business trip.
0: Oh Yeah. Right, right, which which is basically uh, paying for a trip for a senator, which is a highly uh, illegal thing to be doing.
1: And what she's done here is she has uh, intentionally filled out the form herself in her own handwriting. Right. And that's, again, it's the last thing that she does before she announces that she's leaving the firm. And it's after she's made her decision. So Dave, blow this wide open. What's the significance of the document?
0: Oh, are we gonna get into it now?
1: We we have to.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, Because this is I I, I'm gonna have to bring my because I put mine later, uh, because this is Todd and I's uh, top trade craft. Uh, Or I guess this is my number two. This is like what your number one?
1: How did this make your number two? That's I'm I'm gonna be curious to hear what your number one is. But we'll get to that. Um, But yeah, tell us what it is. What it is.
0: Okay. So basically, this form is kind of how she wins at the end of the movie. She basically set herself up to, she incriminated herself by signing this document and made it very, very illegal. And uh, this is the document that is going to give grounds for her Senate hearing that we see at the beginning of the film that she uh, participated in illegal activity while she was working at this firm that she had just left. So before she leaves, she sets up this document to incriminate herself, and um, uh, this is really important because she threw herself under the bus towards the end of the movie. At the end of the movie, or which we see at the beginning, she's in this hearing. But we find out later this is the document that gets the hearing started because this is a significant piece of evidence that she co- she contributed uh, and she personally signed herself.
1: And right. What this, we'll do this, what- what we'll do is we'll explain more of how it works when we get there but right now is the time to flag this is when it happens in the movie and that the timing is really important and at the very 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 beginning of the movie where we've had a close-up of her talking directly to the camera where she talks about lobbying and her philosophy on how uh, you
0: need you... foresight you got to think about yeah. your opponent's moves and then plan moves ahead of time and it's all about foresight and this is why it was my number two and not my number one, because this this wasn't exactly a controlled situation for her. She was playing the probabilities ahead of time. That this is an this is an ace up her sleeve in case she needed it.
1: Certainly. Like, sir, so which, so which the, the main big, thing when yeah. she finishes that initial speech with you know she says you know uh, always surprise them, never let them surprise you, and always play your trump card right after they have played theirs. This document is a trump card for the enemy she's preparing she's preparing a trump card for them this is like the way you play chess you figure out like you it's the best way to beat an enemy in chess is to provide them with you know make them see the way that they could beat you but then since you already planned that ahead of them you're prepared to pounce so Instead of waiting to see what their trump card is, she's designing one for them. And she's going to uh, leave it like a little kind of a ticking time bomb in place that she can activate any time through the mechanism of Jane the Mole. Because the blonde chick that doesn't oh, go... Oh, that's
0: right. We didn't say that. We didn't talk about her being the mole. Jane, Jane right. is actually the mole that she plants ahead of time.
1: We just kind of right. alluded to yeah. Everyone's surprised that Jane is not coming along. But Jane and uh, Sloan play it very convincingly in front of everyone else, but it's all theater. Um, it's because they... the night this is clearly what what they talked about the night before. They made all these arrangements. Which means again, although we don't know we totally do not know this is the audience yet, but basically even as she made the decision to take the job, she's already figured out her checkmate. And uh, this is my number one trade craft. I think I think it has to be, like I said, I'm gonna be really uh, uh, excited to hear what you think beats this. Tradecrafts plus spy points for preparing the enemy's trump card. plus spy points. I'm just folding this into a single uh, number one best trade craft is you know, leaving a mole behind in the operation that you're leaving, which is gonna be the delivery system of the enemy trump card. Plus five points plus spy points, plus five points.
0: Yeah, definitely a lot. This is kind of what unfolds a lot of this story later.
1: Um, but I'll give I'll give a I'll give a little minus spy points on this one. Um, for the enemy to retain Jane, who was described as Sloan's right hand woman for two years, I'll give them minus minor spy points for that. Um, and I think I also wanted to give uh, a little bit minus spy points for her taking the intern along. Um... The guy, the nerdy guy in glasses that kept fucking up.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think uh, she t- she might have taken him because of trust, maybe. Or she was well, kind of, like, grooming him to be a good lobbyist or something.
1: I think they screw this up a little because the very first thing she says is, you're not coming with us. You're not coming with me. Um, but then when she calls for, like, who's in, uh, he comes over and she doesn't object. But if she... I think, I feel like he's the new guy on the team. I don't feel like they have a, a huge amount. You know, he's, he clearly like hasn't worked with her for long. That's what I think. Right. There's, he, there's... He's
0: not, he's not uh, uh, privy to the Sloan tactics, so to speak, I guess.
1: Right, <laughs> right. You know, he he he's just taken off guard by her style, and you know, when I call him the intern, that's just that's just my pet name for him or whatever. It's never well, said. Right. That he's the one that
0: called just... her out on doing something illegal with the, the Nutella tax uh, issue. That, right. That, uh, yeah, he was. He was like, "That's very illegal," and she kind of blows him off. Like, "Well, yeah."
1: As opposed to Alex, uh, Asian lady, uh, big hair, brown guy. Uh, <laughs> And, and uh, Jane who all you know it's demonstrated that they have like uh, a certain like very strong loyalty to her um, and also that they know like they, they've worked with her for a long time but again it's established through like several scenes that like this guy hasn't been around for a long time I don't think that he's worth taking and I think that he's a potential liability I'm just going to give her some uh, slight minus five points for taking him and keeping him mm. Uh, that's worth it. Yeah. My number three is taking him along. So yeah. anyways, moving moving
0: on. Well, we cut back to the hearing and it's kinda very cleverly puts us back on the fo- focus on Sloane's, you know, drug abuse, I guess. Um, but she she kinda cleverly appears to be broken down, lowering him into like what they think they've like reached into. <clears throat> and uh she breaks down and goes off going against what her attorney had told her. And then we have a scene by the elevator where the attorney's like yelling at her that she messed up the whole thing and this and that. So we're, we're, we're definitely setting the stage for like this kind of, the, the typical spy film, like I'm saying, where our character is kind of like a loose cannon. And that's what I really like about this film. It's, 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 it's really uh, a typical spy character setup. But it's so subtle; it's not pretentious whatsoever. You wouldn't even notice. Like you just see this like character that's very strong and very self-willed, and you know is is just kind of like a ticking time bomb type of thing. So, it's, I, I really enjoyed how they how they took the trope spy and made it very, very, very intricate and very, very well done. Um, but you know, I, I I think we can look at her breakdown in court is kind of like a psyops type of situation.
1: Oh yeah, plus five point plus five points for that. Because um you know again, uh, you know, she wants them to she she wants them to keep coming, keep coming on this line of attack. And for them for them for her to make them do that, it has to look like this is this is wearing her down. They have found her pressure point. They haven't found shit.
0: Right. Um, no, no, whatsoever She's leading them and they're not leading her um, uh, So basically uh, We come back out of the inquiry And the firm she just left Seals the deal with the gun lobby Or with the with the gun advocates Who is obviously the NRA Which they never say the NRA in the whole thing But uh, they, they gain the contract Saying that we understand Sloan And how she works And we're going to get ready to beat her And you need us
1: Right, so, and that's, you know, basically we're, we're at the end of Act 1. We've put all the players on the stage, and we know what the stakes are. The stakes are the Heat and Harris bill. And yep. the enemy, the enemy, uh, the evil lobby, I'm going to call them, the, one the firm that she just left, those are the bad guys, they're trying to stop the bill. The good lobby that she has just joined, they are going to win if they pass the bill.
0: After the enemy firm seals the deal with the gun lobby, or the NRA, so to speak, uh, we are introduced to Ford. Um, I don't even know why we should mention him because he doesn't have that significant of a role, other than he is an escort that Miss Sloan meets with.
1: He's a very he's fun. A, he's a very fun but minor character. I mean, I adore. I I adore him, but he's not essential to the story at all.
0: Right, and in the moment that we meet him, she walks into the hotel and freaks out and is like, "Who the hell are you?" and As the audience, we think, oh, some guy snuck into her hotel. Well, it turns out she has been seeing escorts regularly. And she's like, I explicitly told them to send Mark or whatever the guy's name was. And now there's this new guy. Um, And he kind of plays the bad boy. He's drinking out of the mini bar, got his shirt off, kind of doesn't nonchalant, doesn't care. Type of cowboy type of character. And he plays it very, very very cool like hey you know if you don't like it there's the door and she goes all right well you'll do fine
1: but so, she te- yeah she's she's but it's what we're talking about here is like she is kind of freaked out i mean she doesn't just say okay fine i mean it she eventually does right um but
0: because uh, because clearly she keeps a discreet life and uh you know, obviously, if she's on the hill dealing with an escort service, they have to be a high-end escort service, and the high-end escort service must be very, very discreet. So she's thoroughly upset that she's not getting her way, type of thing, and it, and it's it's kind of a problem for her because she specifically asked for a specific person.
1: And this uh, is uh, this is another like it's another like part of her character that goes that she is so like single-minded about work that she basically like outsources all of her other needs you know she doesn't have time for a boyfriend she doesn't have time for a husband uh right. you know this is just like her efficient way of getting her human needs met and as we're going to establish more like throughout the movie like uh she also is extremely um she keeps a very tight circle around her of people that she trusts um right. i think so... i think i think she says like something like It's Washington. You're never standing more than, like, six feet away from a rat or something something like that. So, also, um, yeah. So, that was – I love that you mentioned that, too, because I hadn't thought of it before. But, like, she probably does – now, of course – there could be, like, other reasons that she's so insistent on having the same guy every time. It could be, like, maybe it just took her a long time to get comfortable with this whole escort thing. Right, maybe she doesn't just... let
0: anybody into her, who she is as a person or her, you know. So it's getting on a intimate level like that. She wants to be comfortable, and she needs something that she's
1: used to type of thing. And it could be that. But given the, the structure and, like, the, the emphasis of the movie... I think it's more likely to conclude that this is part of her way of, again, uh, um, limiting her exposure. Uh, right. You know, being careful.
0: Right, and and you know, Just like on, an, on ear- an intellectual
1: ear- on an intellectual strategic level, when she started seeing escorts, she probably like made this calculation, like, "Hey, you know what? Probably." not be a good idea to just be seeing a random guy every week
0: right exactly and and she has these needs that need to be met so she just kind of outsources them like you had said and this is kind of why i put this as my number three word ch- tradecraft um, we'd already discussed that it was difficult for us to find one but this one i mean like the the seeing escorts i don't think is exactly the liability I mean, her only weaknesses that we can see in this film, I guess, is that she sees an escort and she takes pills. But I mean, like, it's like the, the, for for a person at her caliber, this isn't like abnormal. This is this is very normal, right? So, but my concern with this was the fact that there was a switch up after she had left her firm and took it on a new firm. This should have set oh, us,
1: yeah. up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You
0: know, she should have been like, "What the?" You know, I mean, like. We can we can assume this escort service is discreet if they're dealing with people on the Hill, but this, this, she can't be the only client they have, right? So. I, I I I don't think it's that big of a point, but that, and that's why I put it in my number three. Like I was saying, it was hard for us to find words. No, time. I don't. I,
1: no, I don't think you need to apologize for this one at all, dude. I I mean, I think that's a really good catch, and I'm like, I'm impressed that that you noticed that because that no, that's a really good one. Um, you know, and maybe well, let's see. I mean, yeah, I think given everything we know about her and the way she operates that we're going to see through the film, even though, like, here we're early in the film, um, that that she would have triggered to that. And you know what? If she was actually a spy, like, absolutely, this would have been alarm bells. So I don't think there's any need to apologize for this one or to say, like, it's, you know, we had to scrape to find this one. I think this one's 100% solid. Good job, Dave. Minus spy points.
0: <laughs> for sure. I mean now, yeah like he's a totally careful person and this this should have been like a wake up like oh just the timing you know what I mean but fortunately it turns out to not be that big of a deal later so it's whatever
1: <laughs> sure and I don't want to spend a lot of time on on Mr. Ford but there was something that uh remember you you said um let's see there's a character we're going to meet really soon whose last name is uh Manachurian or something, which seems to be like a little, you know, hidden, hidden oh, yeah. uh, uh, well, sign yeah. or something. Get yeah, to we'll, her. Uh, we'll get, we'll we'll get uh, to her in a second. We'll get to her in a second. Don't do that right now. But I, br- I had to bring it up because that made me say, well, like, well, I noticed, like, later in the movie, we find out this guy's name is Robert Ford. And Robert Ford, when I hear that, that's the name of the guy that shot Jesse James. And I looked it up. But there's nothing in the movie that says anything, like like he actually does have at the end of the movie a chance to uh kind of metaphorically shoot her in the back but doesn't so i don't i mean i don't think there's anything there with the fact that his name is Robert Ford
0: well i looked into this and apparently Robert Ford was uh i guess a different Robert Ford uh, was a famous antarctic explorer and we've already seen like how icy cold uh sloane can be found. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so maybe maybe the director or writer was going for something like he is exploring the ice or something. I I don't know. I don't know, but I I thought that was interesting
1: because are you, uh, are, you are you fucking kidding me? Robert Ford was an Antarctic explorer?
0: Yeah, he yeah. actually was part of a big expedition uh what was the expedition? Uh the Terra Nova expedition which uh went to the Antarctic.
1: We gotta get off, we gotta get off of Ford. Good catch, good catch. (laughs) But let's get back to the movie. We just spent way too much time talking about this minor character. Although, again, I love the guy. They settle in at the new firm, and um, this is a a pretty decent uh, piece of exposition. I'm always on the lookout for exposition, uh, especially since, like, I guess I feel like I maybe just know how lobbying works, uh maybe more than the average person but in the whole uh setup of them kind of merging their teams right this is a good opportunity for their conversation between each other between the different team members to kind of accidentally like drop in telling the audience okay because because seriously just in case you don't know audience how lobbying works and how um uh, you know senators are massaged and approached and manipulated to get their votes in different ways like a lot of the movie's not going to make sense to you so this is a kind of a good place i i, I think it's fairly well done and and you know I, i'm not sure I, I mean i couldn't do it better um, but just to say like i just wanted to point that out this is basically where where we get a a quick primer on lobbying
0: yeah, and then we we meet Esme, the gun control expert, and she kind of grooms her as a as an asset over dinner. Sloane. Uh, yeah, Sloan, Sloan is grooming her. Like she takes her out to dinner to some like small Chinese joint that's definitely like way below Sloan's you know, uh, financial status. And we learn that's where Sloan eats like all the time. Uh, and uh, so, but. We all know that Sloane's already done her homework on this Esme.
1: She's, like, looked deeply into Esme's um, resume and has even noticed, like, you know, um, not just what's there, but what's not there. But what's not there. She notices a gap, which just happens to correspond with a certain, like, uh, I don't think it's um, clarified in the movie what shooting they're talking about, but some mass shooting event that Esme is a survivor of. And the only way that Sloan was able to figure that out was just that um, Esme didn't say on her resume where she was that year. But it would have made sense if you look at the surrounding information that that could have been it. So, plus spy points for Sloan. She's going to get a lot of spy points in this movie. Yeah. Um she and likes this honors Yeah. And this is getting my number 3 best tradecraft in the movie in the way that she uh you know gets this conversation going with Esme because she totally makes it look like it's an accident. Um you know, they just happen to be like Esme's waiting for a cab and Sloane just comes up and um you know, they just happen to be intersecting and and they have just a little casual conversation and uh, Hey, are you hungry? And it just makes it look like her interest in Esme is casual. It's not. No. So plus five points for that. I, I promise you if she had seen like a uh, potential, a potential asset in any of the other people at the firm, she'd be doing the same shit to them, but she's not, she's, She's figured out Esme. And that also means she's probably, again, done her homework on every single member of the team. Absolutely. Deep, deep homework. She's almost like, she's all, I'm going to say this now, like, um, she's almost like Sherlock Holmes in her intellectual powers. Yes. Um, she's like, she's like basically on that level, except that she doesn't go around showing it off necessarily I mean she definitely does you know present herself and unashamedly as being the smartest person in the room uh, yeah. she she is that but when you really look at the way she operates by the end of the movie you realize that she is actually even like 10 times smarter than like even if everyone around her thinks she's the smartest person in the room she's actually ten times smarter than that so she's kind of like Sherlock Holmes that was actually smart enough to not let people know just how fucking smart he is.
0: Yeah, she, she's like the... She, she shows herself as being smarter than the average person on the hill, but she doesn't let on, like, the crazy, high-level, abstract, uh, like, chess-playing smart that she actually is.
1: Although, you know, Jane does, uh, you know, essentially tell the enemy team, that she is that good.
0: Right, that's how she seals the deal at the dinner with uh, the NRA. Yeah,
1: she gets... I mean, she, Jane definitely gets plus five points for uh, making herself seem invaluable as the person that knows Sloane's abilities and tactics better than anyone. There's a shooting in Wisconsin that makes the whole issue, like, really heat up again. And, um... Little tradecraft uh Connors who we haven't introduced yet. Connors is basically the heavy on the enemy team. You know how like in a in a spy movie you have like the evil spy master and then you have his uh, you know, the heavy, the guy with the gun. Uh, the guy that the, the hero needs to actually like physically uh, beat up. Uh, well we're not gonna have any fist fights or gunfights in this movie, but uh Connors essentially one. That's true. Okay, that's true. Right. <laughs> well, it's
0: no, for pretty the most part pretty no one-sided, pretty actually.
1: one-sided gunfight. Maybe yeah. the maybe, maybe that guy should have been named Robert Ford.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that so, would have uh, been too, that would have been too on the nose. But this uh, is like
0: the Sloan's Sloane's uh, play at a uh, fundraiser? Right.
1: Right. So what I was trying to say, the reason I brought up Connors is I'm giving some plus five points for him. Seeing on the news the Wisconsin shooting and him knowing Sloan well enough that that she's gonna see that senator as being vulnerable and that that's where she's immediately gonna go, which she does. He happens to be right, so that's why I plus five points.
0: Yeah, and uh, uh, Sloan puts the brunette, uh, Claire, who's on her, her firm's te- the current firm that she's working at, team. For the, for the fundraiser. She plants Claire to ask questions uh, at this fundraiser. And the other team, the bad guy firm, uh, as we said, Connor had already <clears throat> foreseen that she was going to do this, uh, makes sure that she doesn't get to ask a question. Uh, however, we discover that Sloan used Claire as a decoy and set someone else up uh, to ask the question, which puts the senator in a really bad position where he has to publicly announce that he supports the Heaton-Harris bill, which is our gun control bill.
1: All right, good job. Uh, plus spy points for this whole, like, like operation. Um, just uh, move and counter move. It's my number two best tradecraft.
0: That's a good one. That's definitely a good one.
1: There is a little stuff here I didn't quite understand. Um, Claire's upset about the fact that she got... Like shoved to the side. Sloan just has to explain. Again, unapologetically. Uh, yeah. she's, she never apologizes for any. I don't think, well, yeah, she finally apologizes at the, near the very end of the movie. But generally speaking, she's not someone that apologizes for anything. And um, she says, They knew who you were, so you were blown. So I, I had a backup plan and I moved you out of play. And you deleted all your online existence, but you just left a hole which they were able to notice. Now, Claire says, like, I did, like, wait, did I say, like, online presence, like, you know, like, uh, I don't know, her Facebook, or Twitter, blah, 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 right?" right? Um, Sloan says, well, that just left a hole, which they noticed, and that's how they keyed in on you. Now, Claire does say that, like, no, I did replace the stuff, but apparently she didn't do it well enough.
0: Right. And
1: even if, even, so, so for the enemy team, to have deduced, you know, that Claire was a plant based on sloppily deleted and replaced online stuff. I don't know. That's that's just some pretty fucking good tradecraft right there.
0: Yeah, because they, like, they probably had a list of all the attendees of the fundraiser at some point and looked into everybody, and then found this person with a gaping hole and was like, "Who the hell is this?" And then they probably found out that she works for uh the good guy
1: firm. And again, it just demonstrates once again that this is a spy movie because everybody on both sides is doing deep, deep, deep dives into the research and backgrounds of everyone that might possibly be on the game board.
0: Right. From this point, we have Sloane pulling out the entire team outside. And she's in this like kind of a shiny leather looking, sexy outfit like you would find in the matrix and pulls everybody out into the square and sets up what we'll call a barium meal. Well, a barium meal is basically when you plant false information or real information for that matter, and it's probably better that you give real information so that you can suss out a mole. Uh, so the idea here, so I'm only telling you the team who I trust, you know, type of situation and she talks about the senator in Florida and she's like this is where we're going we're going to Florida and I can only tell you guys because I can only trust you guys and wearing this whole outfit we'll talk about the outfit a little bit but There. She makes a big deal about it. And this is her barium meal. And the nugget is this Florida Senator. That the big secret is they're gonna go after the Florida Senator, and it's a big deal, and all that other stuff. And this is how she says, It's a big deal.
1: It's it's a big deal because it's ultra surprising and confounds uh Florida is supposedly like just one of one of the votes that they're not supposed to be able to get that no one would think of trying to get and that's why this is a surprise
0: right and she makes a whole spectacle of it to make it look like such a big deal and and that this is a big secret and so this is my number two best trade craft because what she does is create this situation and make every every move that she makes in this whole thing like Getting him out of the office, putting on this outfit, making a whole parade about it. Now this is the big secret and stuff like that. She like feeds this idea, and now she's able to spot the mole. And and this is the burial meal that she set up. So I I really really like this scene.
1: You mentioned the outfit like four times. I think maybe you put too much an emphasis on it. It's not outlandish, but I am saying that you could like fit this in on a character on like an Austin Powers or our, our man Flint, uh, kind of, kind of scene as, you know, communicating to you evil spy master, evil spy master. See this person. This is an evil spy master. And so I give plus spy points for the movie. Um, cause it, it is kind of like one of her most spy-y kind of, Scenes that she does in the movie, and the fact that she happens to be in her spy-iest outfit at the time uh just clicks for me, and I dig it we're immediately going to see that Connors has instantly be been tipped off to the Florida plan
0: and this confirms that there is a leak
1: yes and we're we're just about it they, the movie doesn't waste a lot of time making us wait to figure out who it is uh very soon after there's a meeting in the office where um She basically, like, you know, um, outs them all. Well, let's give the enemy team uh, some plus spy points for, uh, you know, actually leveraging their own um, asset in the good agency. Yep. Now, I was going to... Now, yeah, this is, though... uh, I want to give some minor minus spy points for Sloane here. Uh, Her barium meal isn't perfectly efficient. Now, I forgive her because she's not actually trained as a spy, but a better spy would have been able to to narrow down who the exact mole is without having everyone followed. Because that's what we're going to see in a subsequent scene uh, where Claire confronts her and says, like, well, how did you know it was the blonde chick?" And Sloane says, I didn't. And that's when Claire realizes, like, wait a second are you having all of us tailed? Right. But it's, but it's not that bad because if you count it out, she brings eight people down to the quad. Well, I, I technically nine. But we're, we're, we're going to mark Merlin as not someone that she needs to follow, right? Right. It would be nonsensical. Um, yeah. I think it's really unlikely that it's Alex or Big Hair Brown Dude or Chinese Lady, Asian Lady, I should say, I don't know that she's Chinese. Um, Because they all have proven, they've they've all shown, like, strong loyalty to her, but maybe she is paranoid enough to to need to follow them. I think it could be the intern. So maybe that's only, like, four people that she needs to have tailed, but that's still a lot, and a better spy would have, like, worked this operation out in such a way that uh, they could have, you know, because, like, tailing people 24-7 and stuff, like, that's expensive. That's a huge yeah. use of very, resources.
0: Surveillance is very expensive.
1: A better spy would have been able to uh, do this in such a way that they just figured out who the mole was without having to, like, follow every single person 24-7 just to see if, if they might be the mole.
0: Yeah. Um, I, this was your number two worst, right?
1: That was my number two worst.
0: This was also my number two worst, but I put it on the other team. I mean, like, definitely plus fly points for having a mole. But uh, they didn't really plan or have a backup plan for the mole being sussed out. And if they had been working with her for, what, years and known what what kind of, uh, I guess, expense she would have gone to to win, they should have known that she would have watched everybody and probably found out the mole at some point and should have had a backup plan, which... We see that they don't. Uh, how, about, how
1: about in this? How about in this case? Let's give just the minus five points for them having the meeting. Apparently, it looks like they met in a park or something. Maybe they should have met in a parking garage, or yeah. just had, or just had the conversation like just over the phone, like not meet at all.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, presumably she has phone taps, maybe because we we find out later she's working with ex-NSA people, so she's obviously makes... good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think actually. Now that you bring them up, bring them up because that's the next thing that happens.
0: Oh yeah, so she goes to this like seedy garage uh, where she meets these two kind of like obviously like elite kind of dorky guys, you know. Like they're there, and and uh, along comes Merlin, and he meets these guy these guys that she obviously has a relationship with, and we discover they're NSA. And they show all the cool tech. In fact, this is, like, really the only tech we get to see is from them. And, uh, and, and she proposes to Merlin, um, well, you know, we do this. And that's why I think she had him follow there. Because I think she was testing his morals. Like, I think this was really a test for him to see whether or not he would agree to this.
1: this is she, ethics, not morals
0: or ethics right yeah and so she in her 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 like a uh, degree of or i guess length that she'll go to win you know it's already known there there is no line that is uncrossed you know it's 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 always like always crossing the line to win and just don't get caught but here we find out that merlin isn't all about the win He's all about doing the right thing, which is why his firm exists. That's the entire like goal of their firm is to support bills or deny bills that they disagree with for unethical reasons. So she brings up and says, well, you know, we could do this and tap people and spy on people and do all this surveillance. And he's just like, you know, and he says in the we skip back to the hearing when when he's asked like about like surveillance, he was like, yes. I was taking this CD garage and I told her this is ingenious, but cruel and despicable and disgusting. And I told her flat out, no, you know, like, damn it, Sloan. This is another like, damn it, Sloan, like, you know, moment. Like, yeah, where like, it's like, we're not doing this. We don't sink to this level type of thing, you know? Uh, and so it, it, it actually was a great scene. So I really think she did lure him there, but uh, you know, we don't actually get that confirmed one of the really cool techs that we get to see, you know, cause every spy film needs some amount of tech. I don't care. I don't care if you're talking about in the fifties, we're, we're talking about some amount of tech somewhere. Uh, they, they uh, they make a, uh, a, a quirky, uh, statement about how oh, you've heard of the fly on the wall recording and blah, blah, blah. Well, look at this cockroach. And they basically have a remote control cockroach that they can like, Control and sneak in anywhere because cockroaches are everywhere, especially right. like.
1: And this it, cockroach, we'll find out. We'll find out later. Like, can have a camera and, and audio capture. Um,
0: and stand equipment. on the hood of the car without being noticed.
1: This is my number one worst, and this one was easy for me. Um, that uh, these these ex NSA guys, they shouldn't have explained the cockroach to Merlin. There's no reason to explain. The, their, the details of their technology to a civvy. This is pure exposition, just to make sure to set up that the audience knows that Sloan has this capability. Right. Minus spy minus, minus points for, oh, for them over-explaining their tech. Right. I mean, I see how it was necessary to get the information to the audience, but, like, boo on these guys. And these guys, these are the only two people in the movie that are actual spies. So you know, we get to be even more harsh on them. Right, that's why... Exactly. That's why, these guys, that's these why guys, it straight to my number one worst.
0: Yeah, these guys are sick into like, experts and stuff, and they're handing information as some random guy they just met based on Sloan's word. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, so,
0: wait, where are we now?
1: Um, well, we're going to see... Uh, there's going to be a Sloan versus Connors debate and uh, at the hotel where it's going to be taped. One of the agents enemy agency guys is on the top balcony where he can observe uh, Sloan and her team. And this pays off when he sees Ford try to approach Sloan.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and
1: this, and this, is, this, this is not, not that Ford and Sloan have, you know, made this connection or something. It's just an absolute coincidence that they happen to be at the same Hotel lobby, and Ford kind of, I, I think I think he deserves some minus high end discreet escort points for seeing Sloan and and coming up to her and and saying hi. Now he doesn't exactly say that, you know, he doesn't say like, oh hi lady that pays me to fuck her, um, you know, he he comes he up and he says like. Himself. I think I, I think I, have we met before? I think we have. I remember your face. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely minus high escort points for not being discreet, especially if he's working for a high end escort point. Right? I mean, clearly it's a setup for the movie. Cause this right. Is, this is one of the, the, the juicy uh, details that they get to kind of throw on a Sloan later in the hearing.
1: And we'll give some plus spy points for the fact that enemy agency guy Just happened to notice that chance meeting. Perhaps he clocked her discomfort. Um, But they literally, like, obviously, like, tasked someone and put resources into finding out exactly who this person is. That she just had a, I don't know, 10-second long interaction with in a random hotel. These guys are on the job. Yeah,
0: definitely on the job. Yeah, that's why they get to pay the big bucks.
1: Yeah. So this seems a good place to take a break. It's about this time in the film that we start to see Sloan starting to make uh, mistakes using questionable judgment.
0: Next episode, we're going to go over all that in detail and how it ultimately ties to her master scheme. Uh, To make sure you don't miss out on that, subscribe to Spies Like Us podcast on iTunes, Google, and your favorite podcast app. Also, if you can find updates on our Facebook page or website, SpiesLikeUs.net, and please, if you can help us out, give us some feedback and rating by leaving us comments. We're always trying to improve the show, and your thoughts would be a huge help. The preceding transmission sampled the songs Ice Cold by Audio Nautics, Enter the Party by Kevin McLeod, and Sound Effects from Freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at SpiesLikeUs.net. Editing by Todd Hostetler.